totally. Amen. Um, I, I thought it would be good. We haven't done this for a little while. Um, and as much as the sermon itself is a continuation from two weeks ago, so there'll be some, uh, I, I guess, a little bit of summary in that from two weeks ago. Where we're going, I thought it would be good to have other thoughts. Who better to, than to have someone that makes me look good and sound good, but to have my wife here? So, anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. Mel, you might want to open in prayer that this will actually... Things will just play out like we hope. <laughs> we thank you for this word, Father. We thank you for just the way you've been speaking to Pastor Andrew and depositing and stirring and, and um, just stirring things up in his heart, Lord. So we thank you that this is a word from your heart to our heart. Um, stir where you need to, speak where you need to, bring revelation where you need to. May it be a word that just deeply ministers to every one of your children this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so if you weren't here two weeks ago, when you get a chance, you can either do it from our website at familylifechurch.com.au. You can still go to mtclear.com.au. You can go to YouTube and you can either watch it or you can listen to it, but you can listen to that message. But I need to jump in because we were talking about the sense of belonging, actually belonging in a church. And when you actually have a sense of belonging within the church, you actually grab hold of the vision of that church. And you run with it. You work with it. It becomes not just the, the vision of the leadership, but it becomes our vision together as a, as a group yeah. of people, as a, as a, as a family. Yeah. And I shared that the vision of our house here at Family Life Church is to be a safe place, a, a safe haven, if you will, for all people so that they can actually come here and be restored yeah, into their true identity as sons and daughters, but restored and revealed for his glory. That's the vision of this house. Yeah, it's a really easy one to remember if you say it enough really fast. You know those old games, you say it really fast, and you get I, I have to do that because I don't remember things really easily. I don't know about Mel, but we were looking at 1 Corinthians 15 55 to 58. Where our death is your victory, where our death is your sting. The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58 was particularly where I'm going to jump on from here. Is therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So our vision, our vision is to be a church that's safe, a safe place, a safe haven for all people. And I said a couple of weeks ago, that, that means regardless of your skin color, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of how much you earn, regardless of even your vaccination status, yeah? Like, regardless of any of that, this church is open to all walks of life to come in, in their brokenness as it should be, yeah? We don't have to be perfect, and we should never have to be perfect to visit or go to any church, fair? Amen. Amen. Cool. I'm glad we're on the same page. And if people can be welcomed in their brokenness, regardless of what they're carrying, they can actually then make it their home when someone can make a place their home they have a sense of belonging once they belong then they start to sit and rest and allow the words of god to permeate into their soul and allow it to start to change them from the inside out it's not about behavior it's not about getting people to act or do what they should do it's about getting them to fall in love with the lover himself as we were singing this morning so 
a quick rehash, very quick if I can. Because two weeks ago I talked about how, we, how are we going to do this? Well, as a church, I talked about a couple of things. I, I talked about as a church that we would be fully invested in prayer. Prayer, it, it should be a non-negotiable. It, it, it's almost a discipleship or a discipline issue. Yeah? But we want to create space for people to be able to pray. And so we pray in all of our friendship groups. We pray on a Wednesday morning via Zoom Live. We pray in people's homes. We create a space where we actually allow you to come and pray with us or we'll come and pray with you. Whatever works, yeah? yeah? Cool. Has anyone had prayer in their home? Yeah, anyone hated that? Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> Not game to say. <laughs> Generally, most people, when you go to their home, enjoy the fact that you're there to pray for them because you're yeah. there for them, amen? Yeah, yeah. so we want to make prayer an important thing. Our friendship groups are an important thing. Because this is where the most natural form of pastoral care happens. Mm. Yeah? The most natural form of family loving happens in those groups. Yes, it happens here on a Sunday, and we'll get to know you. But it's from this place that we'll invite you out. Or hopefully we'll get invited out, you know? Um, be it coffee, tea, dinner, gnocchi, you know, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I did say gnocchi. Not for you, it's more for me. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 the gnocchi I'm thinking of, I don't want to share. I want it all for myself. <laughs> but it's, it's a place where we get to know one another, yeah? We're, and and when, when you're in a friendship group, I know it's another night out, but legitimately I'm telling you, when, people re when you're not there, they don't ring you and say, hey, we really missed you because they're trying to guilt you into why weren't you there? You should have been there. It's, hey, we noticed you weren't there. Is everything okay? Can we pray for you? Is something going on? Can we, can we give you a meal? Can we get around? Can we support? Can we, so it, it, friendship groups are important because they build a camaraderie with people. You only get to know each other. We only get to know each other so much within these walls on a Sunday. Yeah? Absolutely. Throw in anything you like along the way. So we want to continually invest in loving one another. Everyone matters. Everyone has a role. You know, everyone can love on another person. It doesn't have to be a trained pastoral care expert. It doesn't need to be. Yeah, it just needs to be you. Because even a book I'm reading now by Jack Frost, um, The Father's Embrace, talks about when we actually experience the love of God, like we sang about this morning, oh, how he loves us. The outworking of that isn't doing more stuff in church, though that's good, but it, it doesn't play out like that. When we know his love and it overflows from us, it overflows like this. We actually get to love those that are around us. Yeah. And we love those that are around us. And that's how they experience the Father's love. I, I love that. You know, how do I know how much you love God? I, it's really easy. We don't judge people. You just sort of look around and see how much people are loving each other. Yeah. And then you'll know the love of God. You know those that are in love with God because they're loving on other people exceptionally well. Yeah. Not because they have to, but because they want to, often to their detriment. And so we want to continually be open to the needs around us. Or because we, we have a faith in Jesus and we know that he's going to build his church. So whether we're a church of 70, 80, 500, it's up to him to build his church. It's up to us to love on people. Cool? So that's a really quick summary of what I talked about two weeks ago, that the vision of this church is to be a safe place for all people to be restored and revealed for his glory. And in that, really, we should be looking like a Revelation 7-9 church. And it's a passage that says, after, and it's a picture of heaven, but it should be a picture of church. 
After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne. Really, goes on and says, and before the Lamb. So what, what am I saying? It's being open to everybody, regardless of what they look like, smell like, feel like, talk like, where we can come together with the same hearts, worshipping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So that's our vision, that's our heart, and it's important for us to live that out. And verse 58, verse 58 says really clearly, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. So when you're in love with God, when you're experiencing His love, when you know that you belong to a house, vision is important because every house will have a vision and that vision is the work that the Lord has for that place, yeah? So legitimately, even for those that are watching at home, if you're listening to our vision and think, oh, I don't like that, I can't, that really, I can't work with that, this house isn't for you. It's just not, yeah? You need to find a place that's going to resonate because the Word tells us really clearly that, you know, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. God will give you a word for your life, but it'll give, He'll give you a word for the house that you're in. So if our vision is to you know, be a, a safe place, safe haven for all people, that they should be restored. So we're talking broken people to be revealed for His glory. You've got to be able to work with that. Is that fair? Is that fair? Yeah. Awesome. I'm glad. Mel took in a broken person and married him and gave God enough time to work on him. And he's still giving God enough time to work on him. <laughs> so the first thing for us is we want to live out that vision in this house with confidence. You and I, all of us, need to be able to live out that vision with confidence, knowing what it is, knowing that it actually sits right in our souls. And we've got a confidence because we know that it's come from the gospel. We know that the leadership, we know that the people, we know that it's been birthed through prayer there's a there's a confidence there and we there's a confidence in god knowing that he is the very power that leads people to salvation so if we're loving on those that are broken it's his kindness that leads us to repentance god will build his church amen now verse 58 therefore my dear brothers and sisters stand firm it's a really important two words stand firm and i don't know what this means to you mel i might get you to have a quick think while I'm talking, put you on the spot. But the, often you seem to meet Christians that, and, and this is a generalization, is that okay? It's a generalization, that seem to be skating on thin ice and they get blown about by everything that's happening in, in the world. Just stuff shifts their faith, shifts their belief. It just, it, it, they're so easily, easily swayed you know, because of the issues and the problems that, they, that are around them that they might themselves face. Yet Paul here says, stand firm. Stand firm like on solid ground. You've got to stand firm. Let nothing or no thing move you. So for you and I, it's important for us, if we belong to a house, stand firm in that house. Trust in the Lord. Know that you're on solid ground. Amen? I think it's... Um you know, it's a challenge to stand firm at times, isn't it? Because life is challenging. Life can be incredibly joyful. Life can be incredibly painful, disappointing. There's grief, there's loss, there's celebration, there's rejoicing. Depending on, you know, the season that we're actually walking through, life can be really challenging. And being asked to stand firm 
is not as easy as it sounds, is it? Stand no. firm. It can actually be really difficult, and I'm sure all of you just resonate with that. Sometimes it's really tough to stand firm. Sometimes it's really tough to continue to press into the things of God, into the presence of God, show up for church on a Sunday when you just had a fight with your husband. You know, standing firm isn't always easy. Not but today. I, I think, not no, today. Not today. Last week when I wasn't here. <laughs> no, no. But I think the thing to recognise that is important that we all face challenges and we all go through struggles and I believe the standing firm is continuing to press in despite them. It's not having a perfect life, it's not having it all together, it's not painting the perfect picture, it's just continuing to press into God and I think that, w- that is the greatest courage as a Christian and people that profess faith to actually stand firm amidst life Absolutely. and to stand firm yeah. in the Lord in the midst of life. That's true courage. Interesting thing is, in that, in standing firm and giving ourselves fully to the work of the Lord, no one can make you do that. Only you have what it takes to stand firm. Only you have the ability to work fully, you know, um, towards the work of the Lord. Only you. I can't force it. Mel can't force it. The people around you can't. It has to come from you. You make the decisions. So, I could actually ask the question, are you giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord? I can't answer that for you, but you can answer that for yourselves. Are you giving yourself fully to the work of the Lord? And I love that passage of Scripture because it goes on to say, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. In other words, many things are in vain. Many things that we work fully towards are actually in vain. They may what do benefit you mean by in vain? Well, they might benefit us somewhere, but... The only thing that is everlasting are the things of God. Yeah. Yeah, the only things that have true value, true merit are the things of God. You know, the only things that, that actually bring glory to his name are, are, are the things that he's actually brought to your attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah? But we can get caught up doing so many things. Was that a hand going up? Yeah. yeah. Well, we have to stand firm because we've got a promise that he's coming back. Amen. Totally. So you and I, we want to focus on the things of God. We want to be able to run out the vision with confidence because the hope for the world is when the church is in unity. The hope for the world is when the church is the salt and the light, you know, living out, proclaiming everything about the gospel, everything about our king. You know, we, we as a church have a vision, but the mission's to be the salt and light. Yeah, the the missions to be the light on the hill, the missions to proclaim Jesus so that others will get to know Him, and so even that that's important. But this is where I want to go, and and this is why it's important to to have Mel here and have discussion, because I, I guess the beauty of this working out the work of the Lord fully, of standing firm, the the beauty and the conundrum in the same at the same time is that for whatever reason God has divinely chosen, yeah, us human beings, frail people who are fickle that can wake up one morning and change our minds and be in a fetal position in bed or be upset at night because someone looked at us incorrectly. He's chosen us and he's chosen, chosen the church, you know, people to work through the church to do stuff on his behalf. Like he's God, he could just do it. Like he could just do it. Not like a genie, but like a genie. 
because he's God. If he create, he can do whatever he likes. At the wiggle of a nose, at the click of a finger, he can do it. But for whatever reason, he's chosen to work through family. He's chosen to work through the church. That's why I get so upset with hobby horse, with people that don't like the church. They've been hurting the church. They don't like the minister. They've been offended by the minister. Don't like that person. They made me a terrible... I don't care what the reason is for people not to go to church. The, the problem is they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. God has actually chosen his people in family through the church to work out everything that he wants. Well, we should get over it, Chris. Absolutely, we should. But if I haven't offended you yet, Mel and I have a joke often. I will. Give me time. I will. He Hopefully, you'll get over a, it. It's a skill, Andrew. You have to, you it's a finely tuned skill that you've worked on. <laughs> you didn't have to agree. <laughs> yeah. It was more the Robin Williams journey, but anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> He's chosen to see men and women and families come and be set free through men and women and families. Yeah. Yeah, as we display and show the love of God. I love that. Now, the beginning of that passage of Scripture was, was 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where's your sting? So often we, we don't really go very deep into the next chapter and the next chapter really starts to reveal how we do this in a church family yeah i think and paul starts to give us some instruction uh, i don't like to use the word formula but a formula if you will because first corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2 so says this now about the collection for the lord's people do what i told the galatian churches to do now, this is Paul's consistent practice. You've got to understand this. Yeah? Paul's consistent practice. The one who's offered more when it comes to the New Testament than anyone else. This is his consistent practice. And he goes on in verse 2 and he says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Yes, I'm talking about money again. I really apologize, but, it, but it's in the Bible. I can't help it. Yeah? So there's already, Paul's actually setting apart a principle right here, setting aside a part of your income. The scripture goes on to say, saving it up, so when I come, no collections will have to be made. He didn't want to embarrass the Corinthian church. So he's trying to give them uh, a habit, if you will. He's trying to give them a spiritual discipline by saying, here it is, on the first day of the week, take up a collection and put it aside so that you don't, so when I come I don't have to take it up but it's there it's already there it's a principle that he's trying to set apart so he didn't want to embarrass it he didn't want to be the guy that's always talking about money I don't like being the guy that talks about money I don't mind talking about it the Bible talks about it I'm comfortable talking about it because I know the extent that Mel and I tithe yeah, I, well, you don't even have to use the word tithe. I know the extent of our generosity in our giving, what sows back, what we sow back into the church. I don't share that you know, as a point of contention or to embarrass anyone, but we believe in it. And we believe in it, so we do it. And because we do it, I don't have a problem talking about it. Yeah? 
Yeah, you're getting into my, my message now. <laughs> so we've got to live out this vision with confidence, but we've got to, you and I, for those that are watching at home, we've got to fund the vision with generosity. That's the house. We've got to fund it with generosity. And most of us, many of us here, we're a generous church. We're yeah. doing that. Like we are yeah. flat out doing that already. And so I, I want to give thanks to those that give so, so wonderfully in the church, online, yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. I, I told a story how my 16-year-old son, every time he gives online, has a little funny reference, you know? You know, I don't know why. Rather than just writing offering, he writes, I'm on the toilet, you know, or the food was really good, or this one hurts, or, you know, <laughs> all sorts of stuff. He, he, he writes that. So I sh I've shared that before, and now I've got someone in, else in the church that's been writing funny <laughs> things to their giving, uh, something about baking, and last week was something else again, you know. I don't normally look to see who gives, but now I'm looking to see what the references are when people are giving. <laughs> Look, it, it is really quite funny. If we were to just print out a list and, 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 and delete those two people's names, you would just, you would just laugh. You would laugh for an hour like, at what they've written. It is, it is really quite funny. So anyway, you and I, we have to have a clear vision, yeah? A very clear vision, and we need to be able to champion it. But let's not shy away from areas where sometimes it's needed the most. And, and the truth be told, our generosity is one of those unseen areas. It's an unseen area, but it's an area that regardless of church is needed the most. Even if your heart is for mission, it's no good having a heart for mission and not sowing financially into mission, yeah? Like, it, it just doesn't work. You can pray, but it's all of us. It, it's every part of our being yeah, that would sow into mission. It's our prayers. It's our story. It's the narrative. It's our giving into it. It's our belief for it, you know? So often people visit a country because they believe in it. They want to see it. They want to be invested in it. They want it to rub off on them, you know? They come back and all of a sudden they're on fire with what's happening over there. It's, it's all of us. And generosity is just one of those unseen areas where only you know, <laughs> you and the Father anyway. The Father knows. Um, and, and Paul, Paul for me, and, and this is where the rubber starts to hit the road, he starts, he's getting practical because there's this really, really beautiful word. And, and in verse 58, I'm jumping backwards and forwards because they go hand in hand, yeah? And he says, let nothing move you. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. It's almost like a memory verse. My, my question and my point of contention is, we know verses 55 to 58, a lot of Christians know, know parts of that, those three verses. But how many of us actually know verse, you know, 1 Corinthians 16, the first two, chapter, uh, first two verses? How many of us actually have memorized that into one of the scriptures that we speak over our lives? We speak over all the promises of God, but here, when we're told to set money aside, I wonder how many of us legitimately have actually made that a memory verse. I'd almost go out to say probably none of us. There might be one or two of you, praise God. Certainly not one of my memory verses. You know, so I'm not pointing the finger. I'm just saying I don't think it's any, something that we actually do. But the reality is it's, it's all of that. It's all of 
chapter 15. It's all of those verses 55 to 58. And it includes the verses in chapter 16 that we've just started to look at. We need to persevere with the vision, you know, with and in confidence, but we need to make sure that we're also being faithful to the collection, yeah? So many churches do it differently. It doesn't, there's no right or wrong. We, we put a bag around, we have online, we've got apps, we've got everything that people need to be able to give. The point is, we need to be faithful with the collection, not just the church in taking up a collection, but all of us as believers need to be faithful to sow into the collection, yeah? I'm going to get into something in just a minute because I'm, it, it sort of builds to where Paul is going. You know, as a church, Mount Clear, Family Life Church, we, and a little bit like a couple of other churches, when you're a church outside, our size, you have ups and downs, ebbs and flows. You know, the church builds to a certain number in people and it drops off and it builds and it drops off and you seem to be like that. And the giving can be like that. You can have really good times and then it's really tight. Yeah, really good times and then it's really tight and it's so hard to talk about some of that stuff because some of that is paying for the cleaners some of that's paying for admin stuff some of that's paying for your pastors that's why i hate talking about money there's no other role in the world where i've got to come here and say hey you know we need to be faithful in our giving knowing that some of your giving actually goes to paying me you know i i hate doing that i'm just laying it on the table you know i guess that's why mel and i without giving we are generous so I don't feel so bad knowing that some of your giving helps pay me, but I know that a lot of my giving pays me too. So you go for it, Chris. Yeah, you can do that. But you know what? Sometimes I think it's like anything else. You just need to be able to... I can get someone to talk to my kids about something that's really important because I find it difficult or I can work through the difficulty and talk about it with my kids and I... I actually think that it comes out much better. But I hear you, and we have done that in the past, but sometimes I think if we're a family, we should be able to be transparent and open and honest. That's what... I've got to give you money for that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'll take it, he says. <laughs> Uh, look, I've shared it before, and I'll and I'll and I'll, I'll share it again. That when it comes to our tithe, I praise God that Abraham practiced it. Old Testament, yeah. The law of God affirmed it, and Jesus didn't. Jesus say that he didn't come to abolish it or abolish the law, but he came to fulfill it. And it was for me, Jesus himself often put himself at odds with the religious, with the Pharisees, and and Sadducees when it came to giving because a lot of the tension revolved around the tendency to follow the law but they missed they were ignorant of what the spirit of God was doing you know they ignored justice and mercy if you read Matthew 23 23 you can get into that but Jesus's focus was was basically being rigid in following the tithe while ignoring the weightier matters that's what he was talking about with them because they were doing all this stuff but they weren't being loving they weren't being faithful. They missed the heart connection. And he goes, you haven't done this. You tithe, but you haven't done this. And so what he's saying, he's not saying don't tithe, do this. He's saying keep tithing, do what you have to do. But guys, you're missing the better stuff, which is the overflow of loving people, yeah? It's the overflow of what we receive. We give because we've received his love. We love on others because we've received his love. Yeah. Anyway, I am rambling 
lots and lots and lots and lots. Um, where do I even go? Sorry, my wife goes, you've got so much stuff. <laughs> I think in Christian history, many believers have seen tithing, giving, uh, a tithing as a beginning point of generosity. The reality is, that first 10% is the Lord's anyway. If you really believe, believe the Bible, it's not ours. It doesn't belong to me. And strangely, supernaturally, my son is discovering now that when he actually gives to God and lives on what's left over, he, things work out better than when he tries to live on everything. Yeah? It can't be explained. doesn't make sense. The mats don't work. Yeah? yeah. Amen. Must be a supernatural thing, you know? Yeah. Um, it must be a supernatural thing. And then God leads, leads us with offerings and special offerings, opportunity. Like you start to read stuff and, and it's really quite amazing the, the truth that he outlays when it comes to giving. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that our ministry is funded well. I'm thankful that our church is. Amen for that. Yeah. You know, I've always said and this is a passing comment. This is for free. This will get me into trouble. You can always tell where someone's heart is within the church. So the first thing that stops is their giving before even their attendance. Yeah? I don't, I don't understand as a believer why some people don't give. I really don't. I, I don't get it. I, from the moment I got saved, I, I didn't even understand God's love for me. But I, I got taught about generosity, a whole bunch of stuff about serving. And so I jumped into that with both hands. To this day, I ha that hasn't changed in me. I, I don't understand why people don't give. Often the excuse is, I, I, don't, I don't have the money to give. I, I can't afford to. If, you can't give a, if you're working on a tithe alone, if you can't give a dollar from $10, you'll never give a 10 from 100. You'll never give 100 from 1,000. You'll never give 1,000 from 10,000. You just won't if you can't give a dollar from 10. Dollar doesn't stretch very far these days. Um, anyway, I, I really have no idea where my message is because I, I, I'm lost somewhere. But who knows the story? Sorry, I haven't even got to you. And who knows the story of, of the widow that gave and Jesus saw what she gave, yeah? Saw what she gave and praised her sacrifice, yeah? That doesn't say that we have to give that way, yeah? But I, I, this is something God brought to my attention this morning as I was just going over this stuff. And so, anyway, we know the story of the widow. And, and obviously, the point of the passage is this step out in faith, you know, that she gave out of her poverty. And it's actually a really beautiful, stunning picture of, of trusting in Father God's provision. And this is where generosity comes. It's having to trust in Father God's provision. And, and the beauty is, though, that Jesus' response to this act of faith actually shows us God's feeling towards our sacrifice and generosity. Because what's interesting is the fact that Jesus went out of his way. You've got to get this. He went out of his way to sit and watch people give. Just let that sit. Wow. He went out of his way and he sat and he watched people give. Wow. He didn't go to see what they were doing in the leprosy village. He went and sat and watched actually how they gave. And, and you know what that shows us? Is this, Father God's interest in our giving, it's not superficial. In fact, 
he recognizes more than what most of us do yeah how our faith is released in our habits of giving like that for me was revelation this morning and i'm sharing it with you that he sits and he watches goes out of his way and he recognizes more than we do how faith is revealed in our habits of giving now this is where mel's going to come in right because i need to get to first corinthians you know Chapter 16, now about collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. There's a key word. Write it down. Collection. Like it's just there. Collection. Collection. Why does the church have a collection? Mel? Why does the church have a collection? (laughs) (laughs) Why do we? (laughs) Yes. Because God told us to give. I just give because God told us to give. Um, I guess it's a practice that we've kind of always practiced from when we first became Christians. And we've just seen the provision of God so often when things have come up and there's just been supernatural provision, whether it's financially, whether it's actually like a door of opportunity that's opened up for us because of our giving. So... I guess, yeah, I just give because God says that we should. But obviously we need to give to have a church and have a church building and um, to be able to gather together. And it creates an opportunity for all of us to be able to sow, you know, to be able to sow. And over the years I have come across some amazingly generous people that you would never, ever guess who they were. Like it's just unbelievable. Trusting always that Father God would, would provide somehow. We don't give so that he gives to us. Often, so often for me, if I give and I step out in generosity, Father God often gives back with revelation as I pray and I spend time in his word, but not with a, a financial, you know, I won Tats Lotto all of a sudden. That would be great if that's how it worked, but it's generally it's not, you know. But I grow in my relationship with him knowing that things are going to be okay. There's another word here, yeah, and this is Paul laying out I'm telling you, it is a powerful formula for us so that we can actually live life and, 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 and live family and live vision and work it out and stand firm. Because the next word, he goes from collection to consistency on the first day of every week. Like he actually says on the first day of every week. Now, obviously, he was unaware that in 2022, people would get paid fortnightly <laughs> and some monthly, you know. He was totally unaware of that. So all I would say, the encouragement then was for every week, but people get paid differently. So you and I, we have to do what works for us, but it's about consistency. I love, oh, my son's going to laugh. I love the gym. I love my gym equipment at home. You love the gym. (laughs) When I'm using it, I really love it. I actually really enjoy it. But you know what? There must be something in this word consistency. Because I do it once, and then maybe twice a week later, and maybe a third time after the end of the month, and I'm not reaping the rewards of it. And, and I'm thinking maybe it's because the secret is in that word consistency. Yeah? And so our generosity is not a one-off giving. 
And generosity, it has to be a life lived. It's just, it's consistent in who we are, everything we do, where we go, when we're at church. When we vi- even when we visit a church, I, I often don't carry cash anymore because my, my wife starves me of money. Um, and so when I'm in another church, I look to see if they've got an app or something. So then at least I can give online because I want to be generous in that church. I want to sow into that church. Knowing that what I sow, God will give back and some, some way, somehow. It's just, it's just what I like to do, yeah? There must be something in the word. I don't know if you feel, thought, anything around the word consistency. That's why you're here to add value. Thank you. Consistently. Consistency, yes. <laughs> I think doing anything consistently is, um, yeah, it's a challenge, it's, but it's also a discipline. I think the more consistently you do it, the easier it c- becomes to continue to be consistent. I probably don't even really think about our giving, to be honest. It's just something that we do that you don't even think about that just is a habit that we've formed in our life. And it's a great thing to be able to trust God, to not try to actually have to figure out your whole life and how everything's going to work and where is the finance going to come for this or God's given me this incredible vision, how could that ever possibly happen? So when we give, it actually just makes room for God to do something supernaturally that we would never be able to do in the natural. So it's a way for me of just saying, okay, well, I'm trusting you, God. I'm not sure how it's going to work out, but you say to give, so I'll give and I'm trusting you. And it's amazing that often you end up with more money than you had and there's supernatural. I mean, the amount of times that we've had supernatural provision, I couldn't even count in our lives. Diets don't even work if you're not consistent, do they? No, they don't. I've tried that too. And I wondered <laughs> after three days why I hadn't lost five kilos. Like, seriously, what is this? Like, this word consistency, that's a bugbear. It's like a thorn in the flesh, isn't it? You know, like, it'd be nice if you could just be generous once, just diet for one day, just use the gym once, and you get all the benefits from it. But obviously, there's something in this thing that Paul's pointed out. Because then he also says each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income set aside a sum of money now he's talking about percentage he's talking about a proportion he's actually telling you to think about it think about the sum of money and set it apart weekly do that now we talk about a tithe because it talks about it in the old testament and and for me there's a couple of references there with jesus where he's talking about a tithe but trying to make a different point he hasn't come to get rid of it. It's a starting point. But if you have a look, and Stephen and I were talking about it this morning, if you look at, at the Israelites, they were told to tithe. But when you had to look at all of their giving, I said to Stephen, actually, I worked it out that actually the Israelites, they weren't giving about 23%. I was corrected. 27 apparently. Gave all of it. Gave all of it, my friend. Absolutely. So I'm using these words so that we can actually create a place where for ourselves all right there's a collection in church that means i'm giving i need to be consistent i should have a proportion you know i got paid however you want to do it give 15 percent. give 30 percent. it's up to you it's what god motions you whatever he tells you to give do one thing give it cheerfully because if you're not cheerful and you're giving it's like going out for coffee for someone and then you go to pay pay for the coffee but you begrudgingly do it, I'll get the coffee. And the guy goes, no, 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 it's all right. I'll get it because he can tell that you're upset. No, no, it's what I should do. I'll get the coffee. 
You don't want that person to pay for your coffee, do you? Like for me, I can get a bit, you know, vindictive and think, should have bought a cake, made him really suffer. You know, no, 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 I'm joking. I'm not like that at all. Anyway, we've got to keep moving on. Luke, look, and, and when it comes to when it comes to your giving, it's in proportion to to where you're at, what you earn, your income, not my income, not a 15-year, it's your income. You know, Luke 12, 48 says, but someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. But you've got to understand, this is all of our life. In context, it's all of our life. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. You cannot just pick and choose where that fits in, yeah? can't be done it actually fits all of our life i know we're out of time so i'll finish the last scripture i'm totally out of time mel's sitting here to tell me we're out of time but people love it when we talk about giving home and in growing in their faith everyone here's happy aren't they like i know it can be challenging and it's not about just sowing into this house because we've got guests here wherever you're from wherever you're working fully for the work of the Lord, the vision of that house. Work for that vision with confidence, but sow into that vision with generosity as well. Verse 3 of um, chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians says, Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve, to the men you approve, and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. This is all about giving. But now he's talking about integrity. Because he's talking about Give it to the men that I approve. These are integral men. They'll do the right thing. They won't rip you off. Why am I sharing that? Because what I've had people say in the past, I don't give into a church because I don't know what they're going to do with the money. I don't give into that place because I'm not sure about the people that are doing the collection. You know what? As At least for this place, I can wholeheartedly speak for here. I reckon I could speak for every church. But for Family Life Church, we've got integral people here. We've got integral people that pay our bills, that work our finances. We've got integral people that collect our offering. I don't have to worry about them skimming off the top because I know their hearts. And just like Paul says, I will give letters of introduction to, these, to the men you approve and send them with your gift. These are people of integrity. And I just wanted to use this as an opportunity to say, I thank God for the people of integrity that are in this house, that are here now, that have been here before. And we're here long before I got here, people of integrity that looked after the income of this church and made sure that things were done correctly and rightly. Because when we're good stewards, yeah, when we're good stewards with the things of the Lord, then he entrusts us with even more. Yeah. Do you have anything you wanted to throw, throw in for that? Um, I, I would say that I will continue this next week because verse 4, when it comes to giving, we move into mission, we move into to fellowship you know it, it, it's actually a whole kid and caboodle here he moves into longevity there's a whole formula just in first corinthians in those first seven eight verses that he gives us to say you know when when you're actually giving when you when you're giving in a house you know when you're giving faithfully when you when you're giving diligently there's all these things that start to come to pass you know and they're a blessing. You, you give consistently. You give a proportion. But when you're doing that, all of a sudden, 
you're actually sowing into mission and this is he starts talking about look you know if it needs i'll go if you send me it's this is all around giving yeah we in this church through our coffee ministry and i know many of you do it already yourselves but we support the parkers yeah in malawi we support jess cordenova in the part of africa that i always forget the name so uganda thank you like i just why doesn't it stick it should just stick 52 i forget words forget names doesn't start with me yeah that doesn't work either but there's a whole bunch of stuff and i just encourage you to keep keep reading because it actually builds us in our faith and every part of us needs to have a place of faith every outworking so if we can remember oh death where is your sting yeah if we can remember to work fully for the lord we can remember to stand firm because when we work and labor for the lord it's not in vain then we need to keep reading and we need to then also use that standing firm when it comes to our giving we need to use that work fully for the things of the lord when it comes to consistently sowing into the vision of the house that we're a part of amen will i leave it there all right, I should, we should leave it there because you're all smiling so lovingly. I, I should say, oh, and today the coffee's on the house, but no, it's a $3 donation. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, that we can just get into your word. Father, so often we want to skip passages or verses of scripture that are a little bit tough, um, but Lord God, we often choose not to do that rather than to look in and rather we would unpack what it is that you have to say to us. Father, we just want to be transformed as your word says more into the image of your son with ever increasing glory and for that to happen lord we have to embrace all of what it is that you teach us all of what it is that you lead us into so lord we just give you the reins today lord work on our hearts challenge us if you need to but certainly god as i just said shape us more and more into the image of your son with ever increasing glory continue to bring people to this house that are broken that they might be restored and revealed for your glory Lord, that is the prophetic destiny of Family Life Church. And we just want to give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen? Amen. All right.